supercomputer because of the huge amount of power it required. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Money for Nothing. I'm Brian Curtis. Well, on the show today, the U.S. government calls for a new administration in Iraq. Oracle buys microsystems for $5.3 billion. China stocks fall for a third day in the United States. And American home sales bounce back in May. Here's a little tease of what's to come. It is essential that Iraq's leaders form a genuinely inclusive government as rapidly as possible within their own constitutional framework. That's U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry. We'll hear more from him in just a moment. And as I mentioned, American home sales picking up the pace and rising the most since October. The economy is better than you think, and home prices have nowhere to go but up. That is Chris Rupke from Bank of Tokyo Mitsubishi UFJ. In our featured segments, we'll be catching up with Andrew Sullivan in his new job to see what happened in the Hong Kong market yesterday. The Hang Seng Index fell about 600 points from peak to trough on seemingly no big news. We'll also be speaking with Peter Churchhouse from Asia Hard Assets on Hong Kong and China property movements. And Andy Kosser from DZ Bank will be along to break down currency strategy. One of the things I want to talk about with our guest this morning, our former head honcho on monetary matters, uh, Joseph Yam, says political developments in Hong Kong may be hurting China's confidence in us. He says the Shanghai Free Trade Zone as well will hurt Hong Kong's competitiveness and that the significance of the Hong Kong dollar will gradually decrease. Political questions, yes, but our guests will hopefully be right on top of it. Let's look at Asian markets here just in the early going. In Australia, the market is higher, up about six-tenths of a percent. And prices are higher in Seoul as well. And uh, we saw earlier the futures in Japan had had also, um, uh, or had rather, been moving slightly to the downside. And we'll get the cash market uh, data for you in just a moment. Gold prices, $1,315.60. Not too much change. and oil fell. Oil was down about 75 cents overnight. Brent crude $114.12 a barrel. Currencies later. U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry is calling for Iraqi leaders to form a new government. And he said that the militant force ISIL was threatening much of the region. It is essential that Iraq's leaders form a genuinely inclusive government as rapidly as possible within their own constitutional framework. It's also crystal clear that ISIL's rise puts more than one country at risk. ISIL threatens the stability of the entire region, and it is a threat also to the United States and to the the West, self-declared. Iraq's neighbors can bolster Iraq's security as well as their own by supporting the formation of an Iraqi government that represents all Iraqis and also respects Iraq's territorial integrity. Mr. Kerry said Iraqi leaders would meet in the coming days to form a new government. The secretary pledged U.S. support for Iraqi forces while stressing that a new government was needed. In some corporate news, Oracle has cranked up the M&A machine once again. It acquired Micros Systems, a maker of software for restaurants and hospitality providers, for $5.3 billion in cash. 
Oracle will pay $68 a share. That's about 18% above where Micros was trading before the news broke. Brian White from Cantor Fitzgerald says it shows that Oracle is more of a services than software company. About two-thirds is uh, services, uh, about 20% is hardware, and 10% software. So it's really about the push into the retail market. That's been a vertical Oracle has called out as having an interest in, one of three, and here's the deal. Bloomberg's Anurag Rana says that it is a big move for Oracle into the cloud. The way I look at it is companies like Oracle, SAP, IBM, Microsoft, all of them are trying to take their core applications and move it to the cloud. Um, Stuff like this only helps Oracle's portfolio of application that they can move to the cloud. And also, um, they already have a retail suite out there, but it probably was missing some of the front-end systems. So when you take a a full-end solution for a vertical and you then move it to the cloud, you are actually going out and being more aggressive as you compete with, you know, let's say the likes of Salesforce or Workday at this point. Oracle is one of the most acquisitive companies in the world. It has announced 11 takeovers in the past 16 months. On Wall Street, stocks were down modestly. The S&P 500 was off less than 0.1% at 1962. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 9 points at 16,937. Both gauges had ended up last week at record highs. Existing home sales rose the most since October. More from Chris Rupke. Existing home sales, single-family homes and condos rose 4.9% in May to a 4.89 million annual rate. It sounds good, and it is. The Fed chair is concerned about the risk to the broader economy from the housing sector, but the strength in the sales report today should reduce her concern. That's Mr. Upke. He also says that um, if you look at prices, prices increased at the slowest pace in more than two years. However, overall, he says the market is getting close to historical norms. Existing home sales are back with a decisive 4.9% advance in May, shaking off the cold winter decline in January. Sales activity is just a hair away from being back in the all is well zone of five to five and a half million. A separate report from Market Economics showed that U.S. manufacturing growth rose to 57.5 in June, and that was up from 56.4 in May. Our first guest this morning is Andrew Sullivan, head of sales trading at Espirito Santo Investment Bank. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Good luck in the new in the new job. Thank um, you. So we had a very strange day yesterday. We had um, a couple hundred points up for the Hang Seng Index in the morning on the basis of the uh, HSBC market uh, PMI uh, data. Seemed okay. Seemed like, uh, you know, it was uh, a little bit of stanching the negative flow. And then, uh, boom, in the afternoon, we had a major drop here. And in the end, the Hang Seng Index down almost 400 points. What happened? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think there there are a number of... um sort of potential reasons out there, but I don't think anybody's really clear. Partly the PMI number coming in better, maybe reducing the, the need for stimulus, worrying some people, uh, and obviously also the uh, uh, the Occupy Central protest also worrying people. But I think the key thing is actually that the overall volume in the market was still very light. Uh, and if some people have decided to sell ahead of an, you know, a large number of IPOs that are coming to the market, then the thinness of the volume would have uh, made a, you know, a, a bigger impact than what we might normally have seen. On the political side, uh, we had that news in the morning. I mean, I definitely felt over the weekend 
going to the voting station, seeing all the ordinary people there, that something has changed. And I thought, wow, I wonder how the market will respond. But all yesterday morning, things were fine. We saw no reaction. So do you really think it was the politics? Well, I don't think it's directly the politics, but I think it's at the moment, you know, the markets are trading, you know, at high levels uh, and people are a little bit nervous about the potential for uh, for a pullback. Uh, and hence, any any small moves are probably likely to be magnified very quickly as people jump on the bandwagon high in level. fear of the worst. I would say high levels is nonsense. High levels of worry well no you said that the market was trading at high levels i know that no, no, it's, no, no, i know that no, it's no. up it's up from where it was but you know still this market is languishing in the mud well i mean the the, the high last november was at 24000 we're now just below 23000 uh, and 2 years ago we were back at 20000 so we're still at the higher trading levels of the market overall I think mm. if you look at the, the longer term for the markets, and, and the same is true of the U.S. markets, which continue to hit new highs uh, on on very you know, thin data. Really, uh, a lot of that support is coming from companies buying their own shares back. They're not spending capex. We're seeing mediocre uh, wage rises. So there's not a there's not the normal you know uh, economic cycle taking place where we see strong recovery. Yeah, I, I've, I guess, um, you know, this market to me feels like it's been held back and the PE levels are so much lower than in the U.S., U.S. up around 16. What's the Hang Seng Index uh, price earnings ratio, about 10, 12? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, and, and, and the problem is that, you know, people are, are, are looking around to, to see, you know, I, I guess looking for reasons that it, the market could trade higher. Um, but we're not seeing the exports growth that we've seen in the past, uh, where there's still a lot of question marks over you know, the European recovery and that seen from the, the PMI data that we got yesterday out of France and Germany and the Eurozone in general. Uh, and there, you know, there are other political worries still. You know, obviously, Ukraine is still at the back of people's minds. The Middle East is, is, is becoming more violent. Uh, and all these things are really just a dampener on sentiment. And, and, and people are, are, are hence, I think, being much more cautious uh, on how they spend their money. Is it possible that it was just the machines kicking in that, um, you know, programs have been written once you get to kind of the highs of, of the year, um, then um, just sell and sell aggressively? Well, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think the fact that the volumes were uh, very light means that if somebody does decide to sell, you know, there isn't the depth of volume, you know, in the blue chips to be able to absorb that sort of selling. And so, you know, markets get hit down very quickly. So and if it wasn't that, a lot of volume, is it maybe just a handful of uh, a couple of hedge funds or I mean, that's a pretty big move. 400 points, uh, 600 from the top. Seems like there must be something to explain it. Yeah, but the overall volume in the market yesterday was only around 58 billion. So, you know, it's not it's not the back to the days where we were sort of saying 70 or 80 billion. Uh, and at the peak of the market, we were trading 130 billion. So with these thin volumes, as you say, once somebody starts selling, then there are also a lot of other programs out there that will kick in as well when key levels are hit. Uh, and then it becomes a downward spiral, which is why, you know, in some markets you see these circuit breakers. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in some uh, ways, uh, people may be thinking that Wall Street is about ready to turn down because it is at all-time highs and and uh, haven't had a correction in two and a half years. Uh, so maybe some people get out in front of that. Uh, but it, d when you look at the amount of selling that ensued um, in the early part of this year and late part of last year in two areas, emerging markets and then the uh, high-tech area, 
Is that enough maybe to qualify for a correction, even though the big indices themselves didn't come down 5-10%? Well, I think you're right. I mean, I think people are cautious about, you know, are we in a bubble or is this a real recovery? Uh, is this sustainable? Um, and a lot of the indicators would indicate that we aren't necessarily in a bubble, as you were saying earlier. You know, relative valuations look quite attractive. You know, we're not seeing, you know, huge amounts of uh, retail money coming in and chasing markets. So, I mean, the real problem, I think, for investors is twofold. One is the fact that they are you know, one eye on the door if this is a bubble. And the second thing is, if you do sell, what are your alternatives? Where else can you put your money? And I think that is also hampering uh, you know, a broader investment market uh, move at the moment because you know, the jury is still out of bonds. We've been thinking that bonds are going to uh, you know, have a bad year, but they, you know, the, the recent U.S. policy indicates that that's not going to happen soon. Uh, people are worried about U.S. equities. Are they trading too high? But they continue to move higher. You know, it, despite the fact that you know, a lot of analysts are downgrading their reports, we're seeing companies not spend their capex but buy their own shares back and that's driving the markets higher all right andrew thank you very much for joining us thank andrew you. sullivan head of sales trading at espirito santo investment bank money for nothing the time is 15 and a half minutes after eight Looking at Europe, uh, markets were also uh, just modestly lower there, a bit uh, like on Wall Street. FTSE 100 down 24 points, just a third of a percent. The DAX and the CAC also moving to the downside. Well, mainland home sales are dropping pretty quickly at the moment. Data from 42 of the country's most significant cities showing a declining trend. Home sales, as monitored by China Confidential, fell 16% in the first 15 days of June from the same period in May on a year-on-year basis. Property unit sales down 29% in China. Let's say good morning to Peter Churchhouse, editor of Asia Hard Assets. Peter, good morning. Good morning, morning, Brian. I'm just in a very kind of um, perplexed mood. Uh, Yesterday's big drop here kind of caught me off guard. uh, And it seems that China doesn't care much about Hong Kong. And Hong Kong people are flexing their muscles. So it feels like there's trouble ahead. Um, Do you share this kind of... uh, confused uh, state of anxiety or are you like um Pollyannish and happy as a as a pig in in muck in, yeah in muck <laughs> <laughs> uh no I, I'm, I'm trying not, to decide uh, whether you can say shit on the air I guess, <laughs> I guess you can you can it's perfectly legal now yeah. uh no I I'm not as uh, bearish as many people in the market out there particularly about China uh, I think there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of nervousness, obviously, with the high levels of gearing that have built up there and problems that we're seeing in the property market. However, I, I think the uh, the central authorities in China recognise what's going on, uh, and they see what the problems are, and they have been seeing these uh, for the last um, 12 or 18 months. It's not like this is creeping up on us. Uh, the Americans totally ignored the problems that they had in 2005, 2006, and ended up in crisis. I think the China authorities do see what's happening and I, I think are going to are acting uh, in fact to uh, to to perhaps t- take the take the sting out of it for example uh, we've recently seen policy moves in china uh, to cut the reserve ratio requirements for some of the smaller banks uh, to stimulate a bit more uh, lending uh, we're seeing uh, policy measures to again to boost uh, infrastructure nuclear power water production uh, again which should be a stimulus to the economy and we're also seeing moves to to 
curb uh, some of the uh, the lending through the shadow banking system. So I, I'm not um, I'm not that bearish. Yeah, not too bearish. Okay, JP Morgan was out the other day saying by the bonds of the big developers that the bubble was being dissipated. Uh, it sounds like you sort of agree that uh, we don't have a crisis at hand. Uh, that's right. I think people are concerned about gearing in China, and that's absolutely correct. But if you look at the uh, the major uh, pro- China property developers that are listed in Hong Kong, the average net debt to equity ratio is about 53%, which is hardly at crisis levels. Uh, so, uh, and they've got very good interest coverage and so on. Uh, so, I, I don't think we're going to see a major uh, a major problem there on the, on the debt side. Uh, and I agree that uh, uh, some of these bonds are pretty cheap right now, uh, and the stocks are even cheaper. Uh, stocks are trading at an average of about a 50% discount to net asset value. You can buy uh, perfectly good quality uh, developers in China and Hong Kong market trading at four or five times uh, forward earnings. Uh, yes, those earnings perhaps are a little bit suspect, uh, but those are very cheap valuations, as cheap as we've ever seen. The People's Daily uh, accused uh, speculators and developers and uh, what they called foreign banks, uh, the People's Daily in a commentary on Monday, accused uh, those groups of, of trying to put pressure on authorities to add some stimulus. Uh, do you think that's right? Well, I think there is. Uh, and, and I think there's, uh, there's, there's pressure from, from many sides to, 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 boost the, to boost domestic demand. And, and obviously, issues like infrastructure and real estate are big parts of the Chinese economy. So I think there is pressure, and I think the government has moved to try and uh, increase production of housing, at the, particularly at the lower end of the, of the market and the more affordable housing, uh, because the, the, over the next uh, 10 years, there's going to be about 120, 140 million people moved from the countryside to the city. So housing is in, in strong demand. Uh, so it's, it's not just a, a bubble. There is genuine underlying demand there, and that demand has to be met, and it has to be met for affordable housing. So I think, yes, there are pressures to stimulate that, and, and quite rightly so. So do you agree with the People's Daily, then, that this is just a normal adjustment period? I, I do. I think what we're seeing right now is uh, the adjustment in the housing market in terms of volumes uh, is really in response to uh, several things. Firstly, there's been a bit of a tightening of, of credit in the shadow banking side. Uh, secondly, uh, there has been uh, an excess of, of production, uh, if you like, over the last uh, 12 or 15 months with uh, very high land sales and high construction starts now slowing down. And we've also seen a lot of measures by the government to try and curb the property market. Uh, there's been about 50 different measures imp- applied over the last three years to slow the market down. So that's what we're seeing as a correction, uh, g- given all those forces. All right, Peter, hold on for just a moment. And Andrew as well. Andrew Koster coming up in just a moment uh, from DZ Bank. I want to do tra- traffic advisory. Uh, there was a traffic accident and hence the fast lanes of Lungcheng Road, Kwai Chung bound near Wang Tai Sin Plaza, closed to all traffic. So the fast lane closed to traffic. Remaining lanes still available. Traffic queues, though, uh, are building up. They, um, on Longchong Road, Kwaichong bound, the uh, queue ends at uh, Kazip Estate. So that is, uh, that's probably a little bit of an, of an inconvenience for you. You may look for an alternate route again. Uh, traffic accident, fast lane closed of Lungcheng Road on the Kwaichong bound side near Wang Tai Sin Plaza. Peter wanted to also ask you about Joseph Yam's comments, splashed all over the papers today. Uh, he says political developments in Hong Kong may hurt China 
has confidence in us. He also said that we could be losing out a little bit to the Shanghai Free Trade Zone and also said that um, overall, uh, the Hong Kong dollar, the importance of it may gradually decrease as time goes on. Uh, So he's a little on the pessimistic and, and worried side. Well, I think on the politics, uh, he, he's absolutely right. If you're sitting in Beijing right now looking at the antics going on in Hong Kong and LegCo and the filibustering and so on, it's it's like a bunch of kids in the playroom, really. Uh, and, and I think China's looking at that. And if I was sitting in Beijing and looking at that, I'd be saying, well, you know, uh, are, are the, do these people really uh, deserve uh, to be treated uh, in a mature and sensible way? Uh, so I, I can see a little bit of the Beijing side of it. But having said that, I think people's uh, uh, demands and and uh, uh, requirements for uh, for democracy in Hong Kong are pretty pretty strongly felt, and and I think that me- message should be coming through loud and clear. I think the white paper uh, the other week was uh, uh, really, I think, a bit of a trigger, a bit of a catalyst for the reaction here we're seeing in Hong Kong. We've seen this over Article 23 in the past, so uh, I think Hong Kong people are standing up and saying, uh, "Look, uh, we we want to preserve uh, the rights and and so on that we've that we were promised in the base." law and and uh, so let's get on with it so i can understand that side as well and as i mentioned earlier in the program uh tremendous numbers of very ordinary people ordinary hong kong people young medium aged and old uh coming along to vote in the referendum and it it seemed like the numbers i mean with more than seven eight hundred thousand people taking part uh that um people feel pretty strongly that the white paper was was almost onerous in its tone, and that can't bode well for business. Well, it's not necessarily good for business either, but we've seen it before. Think about Article 23. People got up in arms about that uh, very strongly. And also think about national education uh, a little little while ago. Uh, that again got people very excited. It didn't really ultimately lead to a collapse in business, uh, but but the, the people made their, their, their uh, feelings uh, very clear. And I think that we're seeing that again here. Uh, so uh, let's hope we, we see rationality prevail as it has done in the past uh, and uh, we can get back to business as usual. All right, Peter. Uh, uh, thanks very much. Oh, we, I wanted to ask you just briefly, 30 seconds or so, about, about Hong Kong property. Uh, we've seen some slight relaxations uh, here uh, in terms of um, the policies from the, from the government. Uh, um, how does the health of the market feel at the moment? Well, it's certainly changed dramatically in the last month or so, uh, as you say, since the uh, very slight relaxation on double stamp duty uh, has really, I think, uh, galvanized uh, the, the new market, the primary market, Market, uh, back into action again, and we've seen quite strong sales over the last few weekends, uh, which again I think is suggesting that uh, that pent-up demand that was kept under the under the covers uh, as a result of the policy overhang uh, over the last year or two is really starting to come back again, yeah. okay. and so we're seeing a bit of a bounce back, which is, uh, is is actually quite good for the market. All right, Peter, thank you for joining us here on Money for Nothing. Peter Churchhouse, editor of Asia Hard Assets. Time to welcome Andrew Kosser, Chief Market Strategist, Capital Markets Asia, DZ Bank. Uh, Andrew, good morning. Good morning to you. Nice to have you with us here in uh, in the program, on the program. Uh, the renminbi, 6.15. Uh, so that's around the fixing uh, rate, uh, but the currency is still trading um, weaker than that. What What is happening right now with the renminbi? Well, the last two or three weeks have really seen the market going sideways in their rough 620, 626 range. 
as it's settled down and getting used to a new trading band, I think, after the uh, depreciation of the renminbi we saw earlier this year. So policy in China, is, as we've just heard, is being relaxed a little bit with the RRR changes and uh, U.S. policy. People were looking to the Fed last week for perhaps a little bit more tightening noise than it actually gave. So that since that uh, tightening bias didn't come out, then people are thinking, OK, no big changes on either side of the currency pair, so it can more or less drift sideways a little bit longer. And, you know, it, it, we have seen uh, the pound uh, fairly strong against the dollar. We've seen, uh, um, you know, some very gradual movements, I guess. Uh, I noticed that the Australian dollar was well up over 94 cents uh, overnight. Um, is, is the dollar going to weaken, um, do you think, for the rest of this year? The U.S. dollar, I think, is going to remain relatively weak against sterling, partly because the Bank of England has indicated that it's in a frame of mind to start tightening policy probably even before the Fed, and that's going to take its toll on the U.S. dollar, so sterling to stay fairly firm against the U.S. And dollar against euro, which is the other most traded pair, and we're looking for the euro to actually gain a little bit of ground over the next six months, so into year-end, from the current area up to sort of 138 uh, and then depreciate after that and that's partly driven by big investment flows looking to pick up um, profit by investing in the peripheral well, the bonds of the eurozone periphery as a convergence trade uh, to make to make some money there because they can still offer quite good yields compared to other assets so with the weaker u.s dollar and and thus a weaker hong kong dollar uh, is that good for us here in hong kong are we going to see a bounce in exports well, theoretically, it's good for the export sector in Hong Kong, but the export sector in Hong Kong is by no means as large as it was 10, 20 years ago. Uh, most of the export industries have moved over the other side of the border. So it's of a, a limited importance to the Hong Kong economy now, which is far more services-driven than it used to be. And so what would, the, um, what would you as a strategist say that uh, are the most important things to watch for business on the ground here in Hong Kong? Well, you would need to be aware of um, developments in U.S. monetary policy because of the peg and looking at the domestic demand side in China because that's such an important market. But if the value of the, of the Hong Kong dollar, the U.S. dollar, Hong Kong dollar, if it doesn't matter that much because we're more in services, uh, then why should we care so much about the Fed? Well, partly because the, Hong Kong is a fairly popular tourist destination and a lot of Hong Kong companies, I think, bill in U.S. dollars. So if their market access or their pricing becomes less competitive, then they have to be very aware of that potential threat to their bottom line. And do you think that the Fed really was uh, less hawkish uh, in this latest meeting? I mean, they, they seem to be pretty dovish. Uh, um, the chairwoman wasn't particularly worried about inflation. She felt that stock prices were not uh, overvalued. Uh, does that, is, is that good for Hong Kong? Does that bode well for us here that interest rates will stay lower for longer? Overall, I think the last meeting of the American Central Bank did bode well for Hong Kong insofar as, as you indicated, the Fed is relaxed about inflation at the moment and also about the fact that inflation expectations in the United States are firmly anchored at a low, relatively low level. So they're not worried about inflation taking off six to 12 months down the road. So they don't feel the need to be tightening policy. Okay, just to have about 15, 20 seconds left. Um, I won't ask you about stocks, but uh, overall, what would your best investment idea be at the moment? Well, uh, I'm pretty keen on um, 
some of the corporate bond issues available in the eurozone, uh, the telecom sector, for example, utilities look to us pretty fairly valued at the moment. And Peter, really quickly, since you're still there um, on mic, uh, what would your best investment idea be at the moment? Well, we're, we're actually focusing to a certain extent on Japan right now, particularly uh, in uh, hard asset space, uh, such as the large developers in Japan, uh, which are looking pretty attractive given uh, Abenomics uh, and what's going on there at the moment. All right, Peter, thanks very much. Uh, and also thank you to Andrew, Andrew Kosser, Chief Market Strategist, Capital Markets, Asia, DZ Bank. And again, Peter Churchhouse, Editor of Asia Hard Assets. So again, a reminder of that accident. Uh, we'll probably take a while to get that cleared up. That is on Longchong Road, Chung bound. Traffic backed up uh, for about a mile or two. And looking at the weather today for Hong Kong, expecting showery conditions, mainly cloudy skies, maximum temperature 30 degrees. This is Money for Nothing. Back chat coming up next. News with Samantha Butler. The U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry has vowed intense and sustained support for Iraq, but says the U.S. won't take sides in the country's sectarian struggle. Radio Australia's Jane Cowan reports from Washington. Meeting with Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki in Baghdad, John Kerry said if the U.S. ends up taking military action, it shouldn't be interpreted as support for one sect over another. The support will be intense, sustained, and if Iraq's leaders take the necessary steps to bring the country together, it will be effective. As the U.S. urges a political solution, insurgents have reportedly captured all of the border crossings to Syria and Jordan and are bearing down on a dam vital to the country's electricity. 